0: <laughs> that's how you're going to start this podcast.
1: This is you want. I hate my last letter. <laughs>
0: it's almost
1: October. I know. October 30th.
0: Oh, 30th. I thought it was the beginning of October.
1: Oh, October 30th. Oh, I know. Still, I I know. Wait. We've already got our costumes. Rirai is going to be a stormtrooper and Rouse the Mandalorian. We're working. October 30th. This is the new Mandalorian this season. This is oh, the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> yes. Will you guys trick or treat? <laughs> I mean, we'll see what we can do. I don't know what's going to be going on. They, they It was in the paper. They're doing it. You mm-hmm. can?
0: Yeah, it's all normal. We're doing it already, bro. Yeah, it's oh, all normal. Cool. So when you do hang out with your friends, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. Well, we're talking about what we heard on the briefing. And we're talking about what this guy said. And we're talking about these things all the time. It's like, well, are you ever, are you ever talking about the goodness of God? Mm-hmm. Right? The good things that scripture says, what God has done for us. like Are you encouraging each other in that way to keep pushing forward? If you're not, then I would argue you're probably listening to too much of that stuff because that is just saturating your life. Yeah.
1: Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's good to be with you here um, on this uh, Thursday, I guess you'll be listening to it. Um, it's good to be with you today Thank you for listening to us um, Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast Of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ The teaching ministry of MMBC of Monroe, Michigan Um, We're here together to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, Today we want to go through a few letters from the Screwtape Letters book written by C.S. Lewis. We'll be going through letters 9 through 11 today, kind of uh, jumping through them and highlighting a few of the key uh, topics topics therein. Um, around the table with me to discuss this are our guests, our usual cast of characters, Scott Slater, family pastor here at MMBC, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, uh, Tim Michelangelo, lead pastor here at the church, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church. So we're going to be diving in through and looking at real quick uh, letters 9 through 11. Uh, the last time we were together, you'll remember that uh, Screwtape, who is the old uh, experienced demon, the uncle. He's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, about how to tempt his patient, who's a person who's become a Christian, and how best to uh, lead him astray and everything like that. And so last time in letter 8, we saw that uh, he talked about this law he calls of undulation, the fact that we as people change. People change, and it's not necessarily because they're more spiritual or less spiritual. It's just the simple fact that we can't always live on the mountaintop. We, we go through valleys, we go on the mountaintop, we come back down into the valleys, we go up and down. That's just part of normal human existence. And in this letter, letter nine, though, Screwtape is going to write to Wormwood, his nephew here, and he wants to talk to him about how best to exploit those dry and dull periods whenever we're not on the mountaintops, but when we're down in the dumps. And so what's the best way in which you can um exploit these times and, and use them uh for temptations and to lead this this man astray? The first thing he tells him actually is that the dry periods are excellent times for sensual temptations in order to allure him and uh to to, to bring him into uh subjection to temptation. Because, uh, the man's senses are, are, are actually, uh, lessened during this time and, and you can, you can pull him into that. Uh, eventually, one of the things he says about uh, pleasure in general, whether sex or whether uh, being a drunkard or whatever it is, whatever kind of pleasure we're using, he talks about pleasure here, and this is an interesting line. He says here, never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are in a sense on the enemy's ground. "'I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is his invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden.'" So one of the things he's highlighting here is that actually pleasure is something that only comes from God, truly speaking. All good comes from God. The sin comes whenever we try to pursue that in a way that's opposite or against or outside of the way that God has ordained us Mm -hmm. to have that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I want material wealth. Well, it's wrong to steal that, right it's that's a wrong way to get at it Mm -hmm. now you can earn it through hard work um and so but 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 enjoying good things enjoying good food is not wrong but if we go about it the wrong way it it can be what do you think about his statement though that that satan and the forces of darkness can never actually give pleasure they can Mm -hmm. only they can only twist it that's funny
0: because (laughs) it seems like people who are raised in the church and stuff you know kids and they see pleasure as outside of mm. outside of the church. You know, that right. would be the the argument it would seem. But they're having so much fun, you know, or this <laughs> or that. And we don't get to do these things. I can't do this. Like, and we start to yeah. miss these rules. Sure. And, and so we've almost done a complete one eighty at times of saying But some of that is to our own fault. We've taught against the pleasures that God has given us mm. as being mm-hmm. evil. Mm -hmm. we don't speak of them well enough within within the church family or as parents teaching them to our kids you know like money there's a reason there is money you have there has to be money but how do you handle that money well and how do you like you'd mentioned don't steal like these different sort of things but there's nothing wrong if you have if you have money if you've earned money there's nothing wrong with that or any of the other pleasures you know that god has given us in the world there's right ways to handle them and and wrong ways to handle them. And it seems too often the church talks about the wrong way to handle it, Mm.
1: in my experience. Right. No, it's actually God's desire Mm -hmm. that we enjoy his goodness, but always in his appointed ways, right? Yeah. Well,
0: like food. I mean, take food, for example. Food is a good gift from God that he would give us. You know, he didn't have to give us food. There's no reason that we have Mm. to eat. He could have made us in a different way, but he didn't. And then he actually made food good, Mm -hmm. right? There's good taste to it. But you can definitely go too far with food Mm -hmm. as well. There's warnings about gluttony and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so uh, food can become something you worship, something you think about all the time. Something you go to for comfort. Yeah, and so it goes too too far. Mm -hmm. But you still shouldn't miss the point that it's a good gift from God that Mm -hmm. he's given us the pleasure of being able to eat.
2: Right, you
1: know. Right, exactly. And now, now, one of the things he does. So he he moves on here from talking about pleasures in general, about how they actually come from God. And what he's actually saying, what we want you to do is actually, he, he says this, an ever increasing craving for an ever diminishing pleasure is the formula. So we want them to, to want it more and more, but to actually never actually taste it. Mm. That's our goal. So actually, so actually Satan's goal is actually to destroy us, uh, us actually enjoying <laughs> God's goodness. And that's the ironic thing about what sin does. Now eventually though, uh, and this is really where we, I wanna kinda focus a little bit more in this particular letter. Screwtape tells Wormwood that one of the better ways though of whenever your person, whenever this patient is in this dry period, he's actually saying that it's actually best to not even let them know about this law of undulation, the fact that humans change. He says here, as always, the first step is to keep knowledge out of his mind. Do not let him suspect the law of undulation. In other words, the fact that we go up and down, that's just a natural part of a human, being a human. He says, let him assume that the first ardors of his conversion might have been expected to last and ought to have lasted forever and that his present dryness is an equally permanent condition. Mm -hmm. So the first thing he wants him to do is to actually think that sometimes whenever we're saved, we have a a joy or a a heightened experience of God's goodness Mm -hmm. um, and excitement. And then that goes away. And the temptation can be, well, I need to recapture that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that he says is, first thing is, don't ever let him suspect the fact that maybe it was okay to be on the mountain, but it's also normal to go down into the valleys and that, that could be, don't let him even think about that as a possibility mm. um, of, of being what could actually have been happening. And so he says, actually what we want to do is to keep that out of his mind. And then based upon whether or not he's a certain kind of person, you can do two different things. He says, if he's a desponding type, so if he's someone who is uh easily uh, led to despair, do this. He says, you have only got to keep him out of the way of experienced Christians, an easy task nowadays to direct his attention to the appropriate passages in scripture, and then to set him to work on the desperate design of recovering his old feelings by sheer willpower. And the game is ours." So he says, if your person is somebody who's easily despairing, which he says is actually somebody at his time that wasn't, uh, as common anymore, probably maybe more in the past. The first thing he says is that keep him away from experienced Christians. Keep him away from other believers. What does this say to us about the fact that we need each other in the Christian life?
3: I, I think it, I mean, it does say that we need each other. Right. It says that, you know, you need, other experienced christians i mean think about that that person that we've been talking about that starts out on this high high but now they find themselves in this valley Mm -hmm. an experienced christian would be able to come in and say yeah that's what my life's been like too Mm -hmm. yeah and it's okay right that's that's just what this is that's how this works Mm. and so um it's difficult to walk through a situation i mean we're constantly experiencing new things as we live, you know, you become a Christian, you grow in your faith, you join a church, you, you go through a difficult time. Um, It's all, it always seems new to you, but there's always somebody that's come before you Mm. with the wisdom of that, of that experience that can speak into that and help you see it rightly. Mm. Um, It's, it's hard to think about things correctly sometimes without other wiser people. And that's why it's so important too, isn't it?
1: To have a church made up of multiple age categories and social economic categories, because we see so often churches that'll just have a bunch of millennials. They don't know how to go through this Mm -hmm. because they're all going through it at the same time. (laughs) They don't know the, the retired uh, Mm -hmm. former uh, GM or Ford worker who can actually come alongside and say, yeah, I've been through a lot of those. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We need each other. We need uh, all sorts of age categories Mm -hmm. um, to help us to walk through those things. Don't we? Experience. Yeah, that's
0: where you see the importance of living life within the church, not yeah. just coming on Sunday morning. Yep. Right. Right, cuz you can't experience that on Sunday morning. Right. Especially right. in our setting, it's just too big. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have other avenues to get to know each other and be willing to share in those things. Yeah. It was interesting, when you were talking about this stuff, you know, like the dryness and how you have to um I forget he said somewhere, you want to reproduce this feeling that mm-hmm. you had at first. It really sounds like you're talking about drugs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that Mm -hmm. you, whatever it is, you take a pain pill for your bad shoulder and it works as long Mm -hmm. as you take it how you're supposed to, but how then people will start to abuse it, right? And they're trying to catch that feeling over and over, which leads them into something really, really dangerous. And we can Mm -hmm. see that with drugs and we can pinpoint that in our society kind of demonizes those people. Who do it with drugs? But the other, the other thing that came to my mind was love, of how marriages fail because it just doesn't feel, Mm -hmm. doesn't feel how it did, Mm -hmm. you know, on our honeymoon. That Mm -hmm. I don't feel that anymore, and I don't know how that can happen again. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, And how Satan uses these good things. You're saying drugs are good. I mean, I guess to an extent, you know. God has given us medicine and different things. I'm very thankful I've had it at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but that's what I was thinking about as you were as you were talking about that. Just
1: right, uh, how prone we are. We need people to come alongside us and say almost like, what were you expecting? <laughs> well, like right. yeah, like yeah, you know what I mean, like in it. marriage and then but also as Christians, what what were
0: you expecting? But like with the drugs, we have right. doctors right. who are like, take this, right, this time. With food, right, and take it six hours later, sure, and make sure you go to bed. Right. Like they give us these strict things, yeah, and when we go against that, is when we, is when we will fall, and yeah. it's the same in our Christian life, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, let's say the love thing, and you get married, we do premarital counseling, which I almost honestly see as foolish, because we seem to stop there. And then they get married and we don't counsel anymore, or do anything. And that's probably when they actually need, need it, it, yeah. it the most. Yep. Is when they're in it 6 months. For sure. Like now come to me and let's talk about these things cuz it's going to make more sense to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um I mean I was counseling someone this week with marriage and I was saying don't think that there's some secret formula in here. Like that we have to cover everything and now you'll have a successful marriage or look you're going to look right. back and say if we only would have talked about that, you know, it would have worked. Right. It's not how this works, you know? Right. Um, But then telling them, you come to me anytime.
3: Right. Call me. Sure. I might not have the perfect answer, but maybe, maybe I've been through it. Right. You know? Right. It's interesting. We, I mean, people want to gravitate, and you'll hear them say that they, we want to be around people that we can quote unquote relate to, Mm -hmm. which usually means people that are where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And we forget that you can relate to somebody who has been. Who has been where you are right now, right. but they have the, the perspective of now being out of it that can speak into mm-hmm. that situation, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, uh, this kind of gets into, you know, you can think about this super formally, like with the idea of having mentors or something, mm-hmm. but like having somebody like that, that you intentionally try to be around that's older and wiser than you could be a great, a great tool for you and a great gift. And I would say the church.
0: I don't know how many older people are listening to this, hopefully some, but like I would say it's their job to seek that out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not gonna be the eighteen-year-old looking for the older mentor to grab on. Now, some eighteen-year-olds might Mm -hmm. have the forethought to do that, but most don't. You know, most new couples don't have that thought. They're excited about their life and let's get it together. I would encourage the older folk to reach out to the younger folk like you make the effort to invite them to your house you make the effort to have this relationship i think that's how it needs mm-hmm. to be and you just don't see that and said what i feel like i see more often in churches is the old people feeling like i'm getting pushed out by the younger mm-hmm. people
3: and they feel mm-hmm. upset you know like something's getting took mm-hmm. from them mm-hmm. um, which that's so sad because the mentality that you see in in scripture is is the idea of It's not that you're being pushed out. It's that you're intentionally trying to raise up.
1: Yeah, you're trying
3: to build up and prepare because you know your your time here is limited.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: I've said this a few times. You know, uh, as generations, we complain about the generation after us. Like Spencer complained about the millennials a little bit. Are you you a millennial? Yeah, yeah. I'm a millennial. Okay, I'm a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) But like I've heard that from generation to generation, we complain about the next generation. (laughs) It's your fault my generation's like this. You raised us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we just passed it down. The that's millennials su- that's are... That's
3: such something that a Gen Xer would say. Yeah. our uh, fault. Yeah,
0: typical Gen Xer <laughs> right here. Come on. Dude. That's how it, yeah, right? It, I mean, that's yeah. just what you see. Like, yeah. why are yeah. we where we are today with the sexual revolution? Because the generation of the 60s and 50s Kicked the door open like they started it and that's why we are where we where we are today and those people now will look down and say you guys are crazy thinking this well you started it mm-hmm. like you,
1: you you know what i mean just taking it to its logical yeah, conclusion we, we're just yeah but there's a song right we're all in this together i don't i don't know right isn't that a song by please, who's please this together Sure. I don't know. Is that okay. a Coke commercial? No, never mind. No. Don't worry about that. My wife will probably <laughs> let me know what that is. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we need other people. We need, of all categories, we need to be living together as a spiritual family. But all
2: that stuff, I think, will happen if if uh, if the fellowship you're having is actual fellowship, like beyond small talk. If you're getting to know other people... If you're having people over to your house, you're going to talk about your marriage. You're going to talk about your your relationship. Right. And if there's older people there, I would hope that they would speak to you, right. you know, speak into you and encourage you. Um I uh, I mean you're kind of talking about marriage counseling, but like and this is half my fault too. But like our first 6 months to a year of our marriage was really really hard. Especially for me, because I don't really know how to show love, or I didn't at the time. So, like, I, I growing up, our, our growing ups were very different from Hannah and I. And I, I mean, I always felt loved, and she always felt loved, but it was very different. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm a very, like, if you touch me on the shoulder, like, I know you love me. Like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. I hope I don't brush up against my (laughs) (laughs) nose. Like, if if you occasionally, like, give me a gift, whether it's a card or, you know, just... Right. You know, whatever. It, It could be, you know, a pencil. It could be anything, like, just stupid like that. Like, I have a very sense of love from that. But, like, words of affirmation, I don't do. Like, I don't say that's good. You did a good job. Mm. Like, Oh, I really enjoyed that. Or, you know, like things like that. Um, and that's the way Hannah is. Mm. So like, she needs me to give her affirmation with my words and I'm terrible at it. So our relationship, the first like six months to a year and a half was her not feeling loved and me feeling loved. So I didn't feel like I needed to do anything because I was satisfied but at the same time, she was doing all these things for me, not feeling satisfied. Hmm. so it was I mean, it was a huge yeah. battle for her to even get me to realize right. that I you know I need right. to be doing the, this and this and this. Uh, so I'm not even sure where so where how I would I that How would it have
0: helped? maybe you letting somebody so, yeah, come beside you? Yeah, exactly. yeah.
2: So half of it's my fault because like I wasn't really letting people s- older than me speak, speak to me, you know, mm-hmm. like even, even my relationship with my dad or bill, mm-hmm. like I, I really needed to be reaching out to those guys or even, you know, you guys at the same time, like just asking, like, do you, have you guys experienced this? Like I'm, I'm completely, you know, I'm a noob, <laughs> I'm a newbie to yeah, this. And I sure. have, I have no idea how to please my wife <laughs> you know, I want her to feel like she's loved. Like, how do I do that? So, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, h- halfway that's on me, but at the same time, I guess no one was seeing that and yeah. and, and you know speaking sure. that to me and helping me out
1: either. Sure, and that's why that's why we need other people. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's why we have to do yeah. this. And a lot of the times, yeah. I think it'll just happen organically. Yeah. No. You know, it'll it'll just like it, if we're around other people. Yeah. We will, uh, we'll just be together, and and those things will come out. I think it's wonderful. That's why we need each other. It's a great point for church life in general. Um, eventually, he he highlights um, also if there's if this person if if he's not a disc, uh, someone who's a desponding type, um, who's going to try to to manufacture and create these old, what he sees as feelings by willpower. If he's a wishful type, then you can actually make him just kind of content with his low spiritual state. And also, uh, I like what, what he, what Lewis writes here when he writes this, um, in a week or two, you will be making him doubt whether the first days of his Christianity were not perhaps a little excessive. Talk about him, talk to him about moderation in all things if you can once get him to the point of thinking that religion is all very well up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all and more amusing. So the goal there is right. Obviously the other, the other downfall can be, well, we just become content with a low spiritual uh, experience and no love of God. And so we just kind of make excuses for that. And we're just like, okay, well, we just get used to that. Um, and, and that can be another danger that he highlights to us, uh, that, that, that can we can experience. Mm-hmm. As we move on to letter 10, uh, now it moves from simply dealing with those low points and low periods to, um, what happens whenever this guy the uh, patient the person experiences uh, div- new acquaintances new people new friendships that he he makes um, and these people are actually worldly according to the description that we get in the letters um, they're the kinds of people that we would pro- that the demons are excited about um, this guy uh, being being around he says that they are rich sm- that, he says I gather that the middle-aged married couple who called at his office are just the sort of people, we want him to know: rich, smart, superficially intellectual, and brightly skeptical about everything in the world. What role, guys? This brings up the whole role of acquaintances and friendships. And sometimes I think it can be brought up in a cheesy way, but it is a really because uh, sometimes we've 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 heard that before about friend you know, the friends you have matter. But it's really a true statement. The uh, what role does do the acquaintances and the company that we keep? Uh, play in our
3: spiritual lives. <laughs> I mean they play a pretty big role. I mean it's it's subtle. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're sitting down with your friends and you're talking about how you know how you want to worship Satan and all these other things. Right. But it's it's subtle. I mean it like <laughs> yeah. sinful things and actions or attitudes are normalized. Mm-hmm. You know, right. depending on who you're around. And when those things are normalized you you tend to maybe like catch yourself enjoying those same things, or you, you'll you start listening to the same music, which has mm-hmm. subversive messages, or you'll just become comfortable with the things of this world. Mm. Um, and so you've got to, I mean, it's a healthy balance because, you know, you hear the phrase of where to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm. Um, there's a healthy balance of of how sure. to make that work. But I think anybody who would say that they're not impacted by, like non-Christian friends that they would be spending a lot of time with. This this seems very disingenuous to me Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, you know, you you obviously are. And, again, that comes to play when, if you have other people, mature Christians in your life that can speak to you in those times.
0: I would say a person's personality has an impact on this too, um, to how I would counsel. Some people are like natural leaders in... uh, you know, I've seen people who uh, God has saved by his grace and they're they just like leaders and they're very confident in who they are and who they are in Christ. And you put them around people and they seem to change people as opposed to people changing them mm. more so. But then there's other people who aren't like that. Mm. They're very wishy-washy. They're, very, they're easily swayed. And so you put them in a group of people, they're more quickly going to acclimate mm. to what those people are like, mm-hmm. right, and go off to the side uh, so I think that plays a part in it when trying to determine your relationships, and because there's probably times, definitely in your life, when you have to say, "I just can't be with those people. I'm not strong enough in my faith yet, or whatever, whatever the case might be." Um, but then there's other times where you know some people might look at that group and say, "I can't be a part of that because of this," but where you can with. With good reasons too, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, and there might be a time you have to get out of that friendship because of something. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not trying to speak against what Pastor Scott said, uh, because I agree. Uh, the whole in the world, not of the world thing is pretty. I think for the most part, Christians should probably be with Christians. But as we live our lives, we're going to be with non Christians when we work, mm. you know, at school these things it's going it's going to happen and so you have to you do have to then navigate those areas Mm -hmm. well but know yourself and that comes a big part of having people around you Mm. because you might think you're really good and it's not rubbing off but Mm. it is you know they're like no it is rubbing off Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's going too far
1: i guess just being even aware that the company you keep can influence you, okay. and uh, I mean, we, we see that that the quote that Paul quotes in First Corinthians fifteen thirty three: bad company ruins good morals. Mm-hmm. Um, the company we keep is going to influence mm-hmm. us yeah. some way, um, and so we just have to be aware of that. Um, you're right; we, we 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 can't withdraw from, but but we also have to approach it wisely um, and with with prudence. Um, in our lives and think one of the things you see in scripture consistently is that like uh, deuteronomy there um, our friends and family can if can lead us away to worship other gods. That was something God warned Israel about H- your friends and your family and your wife even I think he may say can can lead you astray um, one who proverbs twelve twenty six one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. so we have to be careful about the the spiritual um, realities and, and, and the the role that our our company and our friendships uh, can play in our lives. And one of the things that Scrooge Tape tells Wormwood eventually, though, is that <clears throat> what this guy will do is, and, and in this case, the, this is the danger, this man can be led to live two different lives. He's one way at church, and he's one way with his worldly friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that means that we all have to we all wear different hats and we all based on your different groups of friends, you are going to have different, you know, your relationships (laughs) are going to be a little different, but if you're, if you're a completely different person with different sets of values and it comes out (laughs) that way, then over here, you know, I think there's a balance here. There's a sense of reading the room. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good phrase. And some people have
0: that skill and some people just don't (laughs) just (laughs) do not have that skill, you know, but
1: like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have. That's a good. Yeah, you have to read the room. You have to be wise.
0: You know, it's interesting. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. We talk about this of who you hang out with, and in our day and age, it's kind of changing to where, especially with the COVID stuff now, a lot of people aren't hanging out with people, and their interactions with people is the computer or their phones, mm-hmm. and the people they're hanging out with is CNN, Fox News, you know, Yahoo News, Twitter. And I, I don't know if you guys would agree, but I'm seeing an impact on people's lives because of who they're choosing to hang out with. I would count that as who they're choosing to hang out with because most of these are opinion pieces that we read nowadays right. and yep. stuff anyways. Yep. And so we're getting these opinions uh, of people, and there's a danger to that. I mean, even like I think it was you walking in this morning. I heard you listening on your phone, I think, to uh, – Mm -hmm. and I was thinking how for me I can't listen to that in the morning I start my morning mad right off the
2: bat (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know what I mean I mean just being honest like
2: yeah
0: I quit watching the news in the morning we used to get up and we'd turn on Channel 7 or Channel 4 just local news for the mainly for the weather but you would hear and I started to realize like I'm angry every morning (laughs) And I haven't even left the house yet. I haven't, you know, I've been up for 20 minutes and I'm ticked. <laughs> yeah. And it's because of the people I'm hanging out with. Not my family, but the Today Show or whatever was on. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm allowing them to hang out with me and it's rubbing off. To that's Now I'm frustrated. Um, so I'm trying, I am trying now to like not allow those voices in as much. Or to be prepared when I'm allowing them in, yeah. as opposed to how I'm probably weak in the morning.
3: Yeah, know, well, that, that's thing. I was going to ask that. Do you, if for you, I mean, maybe just that specific example? Is it more of the time of day that you listen to it, or just that you listen to it? I would say the time of day, but also just the frequency mm-hmm. of
0: it. You know, if I, because I might listen. See, there, I'm sure there are some people they'll listen to Mueller's briefing. Let's say mm-hmm. and they count that as a Christian duty. He's a Christian guy. It's almost up there with reading my Bible today, you know. And I've got the Christian news, and mm-hmm. and so they have, but they have these other people that they like to listen to, and that's who they allow in, and that's almost their devotional life. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, I, I would be so amped up <clears throat> all the time instead of going to God's word, which is telling me, you know, that he never leaves me nor forsakes me, Mm -hmm. that he wants me to be kind. And Mm -hmm. like, I start reading these things that are like, Oh, this is what scripture is about. This is what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that stuff is necessarily bad or you shouldn't listen to it, but I'm just saying, be careful of how much of that you let in. I think that's the warning Mm -hmm. here for a new time in an age not necessarily the people I hang out with mm-hmm. but the voices mm-hmm. that I'm letting in because okay. there's so many more
3: now yeah 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 there's um I think what you're demonstrating and saying that is there's awareness and intentionality yeah self-examination mm-hmm. those are all present mm. for you right you know in that moment so like you just like that person who says, Oh, no, no, I just can't listen to that because it's going to impact me negatively. I mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that. Or hey, there's a non Christian that walks up to you at the park and starts talking. Oh, I can't talk to you. <laughs> non Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> you know, it's just you're using, Wham! yeah, you're yep. using wisdom. You're, right. you're mm-hmm. exam, like it regularly examining yourself. I mean, having conversations with your spouse or with your mentors that just say, you know, have you noticed me being grumpy lately? You know, right. or like, have I, Right. you know, how do you think I'm doing, you know, speak right. into my life and, right. and, and do that. And if like not listening to those things in the morning or just being like recognizing like just specifically his program, uh, the briefing, he tends to talk about the same things consistently <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so, if you just need, you need to recognize like, well, am I just constantly thinking about those same things?
0: Yeah. Cause that would be my no. question. Like, so when you do hang out with your friends, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. Well, we're talking about what we heard on the briefing and we're talking about what this guy said and we're talking about these things all the time. It's like, why well, are, are you ever talking about the goodness of God? Mm-hmm. Right. The good things that scripture says, what God has done for us. Like, are you encouraging each other in that way to keep pushing forward? If you're not, then I would argue you're probably listening to too much of that stuff. Cause that is just saturating your life. Yeah. You know, and I've tried to make it a point personally, especially during now, there's only certain people I'm willing to talk about political stuff with. Mm-hmm. There's only certain people I let talk to me about that. Others might try and I'll gladly listen, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to engage mm-hmm. because I just don't want that much, that many voices in my life. Cause I know it could lead me to yeah. frustration or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, I, I didn't try to get off on a rant there, just saying what has changed from C.S. Lewis's time mm-hmm. when he wrote this is a lot of people don't have actual people mm-hmm. in their lives right. that are causing negative things. It's right. the voices right. that are causing negative sure.
2: things that we, I think, should warn mm-hmm. people about. Right, right. That's I think there are instances, I mean, I know, not. this is all pre-COVID, but like when I was going to school, Uh, college. Like I had different friends from church and I had different friends from school. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't necessarily treat them differently, but, but here's, I guess what can happen is, is if there's a point to where you run into one of your church friends while you're hanging out with your school friends. Um, and then, you know, they're talking back and forth about, Oh, look at that, that kid over there, you know, he's, he's got his Bible or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you don't stick up for that friend. Yeah. Like, isn't this the, you know, the, the typical hypocritical right. Christian? Mm-hmm. Like, right. isn't that the scenario? I mean, isn't that what Peter, Peter was doing with, uh, not Peter. Yeah. Yeah, Peter was doing, Christ? Uh, no, what Peter was doing with uh, the Jews. Oh, in Galatians? Gentiles? In Galatians, yeah. Yeah, with yeah, Gentiles. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's similar. <clears throat> <clears throat> not eating with
2: them. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, he, I don't think he was realizing that until Paul called him out on it right well i think he was uh, yeah.
0: i think yeah. that's why okay. paul
1: called him out hey you know better uh, yeah <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah. yeah yeah but you're right no peter was being two-faced about it yeah right at the time but that, that's and that's what t- he's talking it. about that, in this letter yeah that's what he's talking about right I think. right yeah
2: being um, two-faced mm-hmm. uh yeah I, that,
1: that's a two parallel lives right? yeah. yeah two-faced, two-faced. Oh, yeah. character oh, yeah. in batman harvey dent <laughs> right yeah two-faced flips the coin two-faced okay all right. Another wise thing before we move to letter 11 uh, in the morning. I don't know if you guys do it. A devotional practice I have is mm-hmm. always drink a cup of coffee in the morning. Disgusting. You know, Amen <laughs> <and> just <laughs> he brews. Yeah, Hebrews. I mean, yeah, that Hebrews. Yeah. Okay. You know, psh, all right, first he, action when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Approach the coffee pot and pour the liquid into. I mean, your I soul. pray first. Oh. Give <laughs> my wife a hug. Oh, man. Tell her how much I love her. Yeah. First of all, Rub I wake all my up, up at head. four in the morning. All right. You know, I think then, this, then, is, then, this then. is a sweet aroma, ascending,
2: sending,
1: <laughs> sending like an offering. <laughs>
2: Okay, <laughs> so Hannah, I mean, Hannah, <laughs> Hannah texted me earlier, earlier today, and she asked this, uh, do you remember hugging me in the middle of the night? And I said, nope. And she said, you literally sat up, hugged me, said, I love you, babe, and laid back down and fell asleep. <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a good
3: word of affirmation. That's, that's a good word of
1: affirmation there, yeah. Okay. I do Let- it in my sleep, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Letter 11 focuses us up on the various types of humor that um, he's talking about. Because, you know, whenever they're with these friends, they may be uh, uh, making jokes together and laughing and, and such. And so Screwtape wants to teach Wormwood, about how the the forces of darkness, demons, should understand uh, laughter and humor. And he divides humor and laughter into four categories, joy, fun, the joke proper, and flippancy. The first, when he talks about uh, joy, he says... Um, Uh, This is good here Um, among uh, you will see the first talking about joy among friends and lovers reunited on the eve of a holiday among adults some pretext in the way of jokes is usually provided but the facility with which the smallest witticisms produce laughter at such a time shows that they are not the real cause. What that real cause is, we do not know. Something like it is expressed in much of that detestable art, which the humans call music, and something like it occurs in heaven, a meaningless acceleration in the rhythm of celestial experience, quite opaque to us. Laughter of this kind does us no good and should always be discouraged. Besides, the phenomenon is of itself disgusting and a direct insult to the realism, dignity, and austerity of hell. So he says, joy, sincere joy is of no use to us. Secondly, he talks about fun, and it's really not much use to us either. But then when we get to the joke proper, he says, it is useful. And he says this. The real use of jokes or humor is in quite a different direction, and it is specially promising among the English who take their sense of humor so seriously that a deficiency in this sense is almost the only deficiency at which they feel shame. Humor is for them the all-consoling and, mark this, the all-excusing grace of life. Hence, it is invaluable as a means of destroying shame jokes can be used as a means of destroying shame. I think this is very interesting. He talks about things that we would normally find shameful. If we can be made into a joke, we laugh at it, it's acceptable now.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, He uses an example of somebody who is uh, basically a a moocher who doesn't want to pay for anything on his own, but if he makes a joke out of it, it's okay, and he's just a funny guy. Mm. We see this in our society, I think, at large. Things that we typically would know are shameful, if we make a joke about them and we start people laughing about it, it just becomes okay and acceptable and it covers it over. Yeah. What do you think about that idea? Do, do you see this in society, in our society? Do we make jokes at things in order to cover over shameful things? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we do. I mean, I mean, crude joking or crude talk yeah. is actually commanded against in, in scripture but I mean that's that's what we do we make it into a joke we laugh about it um, we push the envelope of what's acceptable mm-hmm. uh, every generation seems to do that Sure, um, but yeah I mean I, I think it's definitely present when we get to this point
1: with jokes uh, the Bible calls this being a fool right whenever you start making a joke in order to cover something shameful now of course we're not taking saying that like you know uh, being witty or having a joke itself is sinful. But what he's talking about is using humor in a way, again, to cover over something that's foolish. Mm-hmm. So we see this um, uh, in Proverbs 26, 18 to 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Mm. It's foolishness to deceive your neighbor to do something wrong and then to say, "But I was only joking about it," or um, I think we see this in media at large, or with us in our private talk, perhaps. If there's a certain sin that we can cover up with a joke, it becomes more acceptable because we've snuck it in, we've smuggled it in mm-hmm. under cover of the joke, mm-hmm. um, and, and done that. <laughs> I think a lot of people say say <coughs> slanderous things
2: and ride them off. As jokes, yeah, you know, sure. Like you, like you say your mind <laughs> about someone that you really want to speak to your mind about, and then you say, "I'm just joking, man." <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think we do that all the time, and 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 sometimes don't
1: realize it. But <laughs> yeah, and I, I think our society at large is uh, it, uh, does this a lot, we, yeah. especially and probably. I mean, I think every society probably does it. Our society, I think, it would be fair to say. Does heavily emphasize entertainment mm-hmm. and therefore celebrity, sure. and um, and eventually it gets to the next category, which is what he says is the the most egregious, but which is best of all mm-hmm. for the demons, which is flippancy. Yeah,
3: well, and, it's like I think about like growing up in school. I think back to those kids that I was in class with sure. that were the troublemakers, but they got away. It seemed like with almost everything. Mm-hmm. And it Mm. was because they were also the funny kid. Mm. And so like, if you're like, this is even tough. Like with my own kids at home, like Mm. if, if Nolan or Thomas is doing something that they know is wrong, but then they start acting silly and make Mm. us laugh, it's a lot easier to, to forget about, Oh, I'm supposed to discipline in Mm -hmm. this scenario. Right. Yeah. Or like, you know, and so it's, it's, we use humor to kind of deflect Mm. people away from. The reality of like wow, like they just said something that they should be ashamed of, mm. you know, or that mm-hmm. you know they were so disrespectful in that moment, or um, we just, we use it as a cover, yeah, or a deflection, right? Like we've been saying,
1: and then, and then eventually, if we keep just making jokes of everything we get to a society that or, or or be people who are just flippant and by that mm-hmm. he he describes flippancy he says every serious subject is discussed in a manner which implies that they had already found a ridiculous side to it he says um any of them can be trained because it actually says it actually takes a little bit of cleverness to be, make a joke, but anybody can be trained to talk as if virtue were funny. Yeah. So everything now becomes a joke. All of life is a giant, yeah. a flippant joke. And you see that I've, you know, I, I think we've all met people who you wanted to start having a serious conversation with them, but they can't.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is
1: impossible yeah. for them because everything yeah. is. Every everything. It's almost like they deal with stressful situations
2: with with flippant laughter and joking. Right. Right. You know, like it's
1: impossible for them to be serious because, (laughs) like, they would be faced with reality. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Well, I think we see this. though, like one of the things you always hear sometimes, right, is that comedians can be actually very depressed people. Sure. And I don't. I'm not saying that's a one-to-one correlation with yeah, a comedian, yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying like sometimes we look at people on the stage and like they must be so happy because they're just making people laugh and they're making you know they're they are funny.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, who I think of when you say that is Robin Williams. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. who comes to my mind. You know, yep. like yeah. one of the funniest guys I've ever yeah seen in a movie or yeah. talk on a on a video or anything, but you know, was apparently sad enough to want to commit suicide. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. who I think of.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think there's. There's people like that that it breaks your heart because yeah. you're like you realize they're they're actually hurting inside, mm-hmm. and and uh, I think about uh, you know personally I think you know we live in a society where we have late night shows every mm-hmm. night which is nothing but just a constant satire yeah. basically right. everything's just a joke, yep. um, and I'm not saying there's not a time to laugh there's not mm-hmm. there is a there's a I'm not saying it's wrong but mm-hmm. there does seem to be this tendency in our society that everything is funny. Yeah. But then at the same time, we see a society that is um, probably more legalistic than it's ever mm-hmm. been before. There, There's so much hurt and, and anger inside. And it's interesting, he says here about this flippancy at the very end, he says, if prolonged, the habit of flippancy builds up around a man the finest armor plating against the enemy that I know. And it has quite free... And it is quite free from the dangers inherent in the other sources of laughter. Mm-hmm. It is a thousand miles away from joy. It deadens instead of sharpening the intellect, and it excites no affection between those who practice it. So it destroys their, their actual affection and relationships between them and other people who practice this thing. They actually don't actually grow in knowledge and wisdom. They actually It deadens that, mm-hmm. and they're actually not happy. It's a thousand miles away from mm-hmm. true joy. Whenever everything is a joke, yeah. nothing can actually bring joy, right? And I, 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 just think that's that's an interesting insight from Lewis. Yeah. Does that become then scoffing? Yeah, I, I
2: think it does. Like you, he- like that that kind of person would then hear something. You're like, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Sure. Like that's, I feel right. like that's scoff, like, <clears throat> the, like that's scoffing at everything sure. they hear.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I he, Proverbs fourteen thirteen. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. And the end of joy may be grief. Mm-hmm. So underneath that, there may be hurt. And so that's what the forces of darkness, they, they're they actually quite subtle. They don't go out. Sometimes we think that they're going to go out and lead people to hell along the road of just open, egregious, horrible sin. Yeah but it may just be because they, they get people to be quite witty mm. and lead them along the, a life where they just view everything with cynicism and mm. with flippancy, yeah. and that's an easy way to hell because mm. then you're armor-plated, as he says, yeah. against the gospel. Yeah. That's a scary place to be, and so we, wanna, we want to remind people that we have real joy to offer them mm. and that God has real joy for them, yeah. uh, but it's not, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Mm. And so I think this is a great insight from Lewis um, as, he, as he talks about these things. Any other comments or thoughts before we close and wrap up? Well, I think that person
2: kind of abandons reason at that point, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they're, they're no longer... I think it's despair. Yeah. Really, underneath. There's despair of, of any real substance to life. Yeah. Life is one big
3: absurdity. <laughs> at the end, sure, you know, Mm -hmm. and
1: we've all been God.
3: Yeah. I I was just thinking of like, I I definitely know people are like when you, especially when you first meet someone and usually that's how you kind of try to begin a relationship with new people, Mm. trying to find not just commonalities, but things that are funny Mm. and laugh together. It's easy to create a relationship like that. But I've definitely experienced it where, you're kinda of past that initial introduction yeah. of, Hey, let's laugh together to hey, let's try to talk about something serious. Sure. And I've definitely experienced it before where like this person just doesn't seem capable Yeah of talking about anything serious in life. And um and that's that's sad. I mean you need yeah. humor. You yeah. we need to be able to do that. Yes. Um and laugh about things and experience joy full you know, truly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um but we also need to be able to talk about serious things in a serious way hmm. understanding their importance yeah and if you can't do that there's a lot of things that scripture speaks to that you're going to have a hard time doing sure um and I, you know it's just very sad it's very dangerous you know so we need to be yeah.
1: aware of it life there is substantial uh realities and truth in life, and I think that whenever we go to that flippant stage, we don't think that there's anything really anymore. We question mm. everything, mm-hmm. and there is yeah. no substance. There's nothing. There's nothing for me to grab onto. Mm-hmm. But joy comes whenever I realize that there is something wonderful and beautiful and lovely in the world, mm-hmm. and and that's God, and that's my mm-hmm. that's my wife, yeah. that's my children. There, yeah. those that's substantive, and that's mm-hmm. that is good, mm-hmm. and it's life is not a giant. Yeah. Uh,
3: and I, I think try. about it from the perspective not just of yourself. Like, yeah. it's not just good that you can talk about serious things, but it's like, I mean, think about your fellow church members. I mean, right. if, if all you're ever able to do is try to have this flippant, yeah. everything's a joke conversation, right. when, when you encounter another church hmm. member on a Sunday morning or like at your small group that you're a part mm-hmm. of or a Bible study, And they're going through a really hard time. They're going through really difficult circumstances. But all you can offer them is flippant jokes. Yeah, that's not going to help them, right? You know, being able to sit down as a serious friend and talk about serious things—that's you know, you need to be able to do that too. Mm. You know, Um, I don't know. There's just thoughts I'm having. I think it's
1: helpful because it's it's a strategy that I think there's real legitimacy in what Lewis is saying here. Mm. That that could be. A, a temptation that uh, that demonic forces can use against us in our mm-hmm. lives or the world, and but it's a, it's a temptation that we often just don't even think about mm-hmm. or spend any time reflecting upon. Okay. Um, the good news is is that life is real and it's mm-hmm. joyful, and there there really is a wonderful Savior who has come into the world to save us mm-hmm. from from uh, our sin from his wrath and so that's a it's a wonderful thing I, I i'm really glad that we were able to go through these letters here letters 9 10 and 11 i hope it's been beneficial to you at home as we've gone through them and and tried to talk about a few of the themes that are found in these letters um we have this book for sale i'll do a little book advertisement downstairs <laughs> by my office uh the screw tape letters if you're interested i hope maybe if you're if you're interested you could read through it lewis is a great writer i find him refreshing to read not a labor to read um wonderful to read, or you can listen to them online as well. Uh, The letters are uh, available for free to listen to. Um, So thank you very much for listening. We hope you uh, have enjoyed this and we hope God, uh, God is with you through the rest of your week. Take care and God bless.